This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. And Genesis chapter 6, Matthew 24, and reading from verse 36. Jesus speaking, But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would have come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming, at an hour you do not expect. And then in Genesis chapter 6, Now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives of themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. There were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them. Those were mighty men who were men of old, men of renown. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually." The Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping things and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I had made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth was also corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, and make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, its width with 50 cubits, and its height 30 cubits. And you shall make a window for the ark, and you shall finish it to a cubit from above, and set the door of the ark in its side. And you shall make it with lower, second, and third decks. And behold, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh which is in, in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. 
but I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you and your sons, your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. And they shall be male and female, of the birds after their kind, of animals after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after its kind. Two of every kind will come to you and keep them alive. And you shall take for yourself of all food that is eaten, and you shall gather it to yourself, and it shall be for food for you and for them. Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Amen. Long scripture reading tonight. So Jesus said that just prior to his return, that there would be recognizable signs before he returns. And in Matthew 24 and in Luke 21, he tells us about those signs, but earthquakes and pestilences and famines and wars and rumors of wars and nation against nation and distress of nation and people's hearts failing them for fear of the expectation of that which is coming upon the earth and false Christ will rise up and deceive many. And so we see somewhat of that happening. When it comes to earthquakes, there's always been earthquakes. But in our generation, there has been more earthquakes in recorded history than ever before. And they're getting greater in intensity more pestilence than ever before and greater in its intensity. And so Jesus said that these are recognizable signs prior to his coming again. And in the midst of telling us these signs, he adds this, but as the days of nowhere, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. The question is, does our generation resemble Noah's generation? Are the conditions similar to Noah's day? Because if they are, then there is no mistaking that Christ is coming soon. We can't date set, neither should we even begin to try. But if we see the signs, then the best we can say is it is coming soon. Noah was born about a thousand years after Adam. He lived till he was 950, and only two men lived longer than him. Methuselah at 969, and Jared at 962. So men in that primal age lived a very, very long time. Sin, even though it had infected and affected man, but not to the degree that it has today regarding a lifespan. Uh, you look up any statistic today, I don't think there's any country on earth that has a lifespan of 100 years plus. Almost every country would be well below it. Britain's lifespan on average is 80. There's some countries it's only 40. It's a long, long way from what it was back in those ancient times. We also know that during his lifetime, he saw a great population explosion. You have to understand that when you're reading Genesis, very often there can be hundreds of years between one verse and the next verse. So you have to understand this happened over a long period of time. And so we're not talking about just a handful of scattered people here. We're talking about a big population to the point where Cain founded a city. And so that was the beginning of urbanization where people wanted to live 
and cities. And society was godless. It was secular. And life in the cities, we, we know it's just a fact of life that there is more crime in cities than anywhere else, particularly in, any, in, in the country areas. Why? Because of the, the colonization of the city, because there's so many people together, there's more opportunity for crime than anywhere else. And so in Noah's day, the whole world was filled with violence. There was much, much crime, and there was a population explosion. And Genesis 6 that we just read gives us a very clear description of the days in which Noah lived. And so we want to quickly look tonight and see, does it resemble the days in which we're living right now? First of all, there was a great spiritual decline. Now, I know, and it's true, that outside of the Western world, there's a tremendous rise in Christianity. But in the Western world, there's a great decline of Christianity. And there are some places in the Middle East, unless something is done fairly soon, there'll be no Christians at all living in some countries because they're trying to wipe them out and do away with Christianity. But in that day, there was a great spiritual decline. The way of Cain permeated all society. What is the way of Cain? Hebrews 11.4 says, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. Now we know that Adam and Eve, obviously their sons knew that when they sinned, that God made coats of skin for them. So they knew that an animal's life had to be uh, killed, an innocent life for a guilty life. And so when it came to making a sacrifice unto God, there could only be one sacrifice that would be proper, and that would be a blood sacrifice. And Abel brought a blood sacrifice, the firstlings of his flock, the fat of the lamb. And so a lamb had to be killed. But Cain brought, he was a farmer, and even though he must have been a hard-working farmer, no doubt, and even though he brought the best of his produce, but it wouldn't be satisfying enough for God because God wanted a blood sacrifice. Why? Because it would speak of something that which would come much, much later on that we know as the Lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world, the Lord Jesus Christ. So this was speaking into that. But of course, he didn't bring that, did he? And God was angry with him. Very angry. And the way of Cain is the bloodless way. The way of Cain today, because it still prevails, is the crossless way. The way of Cain is man making his own way to God. Man saying, I will do what I want to do. I don't want a gory gospel, as some cause it. I don't want talk of shed blood. I don't want talk of somebody hanging a cross for me. I will bring my sacrifice to God. He will accept the work of my hands, but the fact is he won't. 
He won't accept the work of men's hands when it comes to salvations. And so Cain's way is the rejection of blood. Abel's way was the acceptance of God's way by making an offering by faith. He killed a lamb. Cain's religion is still with us today. It's the way of self. It's the way of self-works. It's the way of self-righteousness. It's a no-blood religion. And as we said this morning, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so we live in a generation where much of this is being said. We live in a generation where there's, where there's people who go to churches who sing in the choir, who was brought up in Sunday school, and who's faithful to their church, but do not believe that they need to come to the cross to be saved. They believe that their works is good enough for God, but it isn't. There's preachers and pulpits who never preach about the cross, who never mention the blood, who doesn't even believe in it. A well-known author and preacher in America a few years ago he wrote a book that caused such a furore in America, and it was universalism. In other words, that means that he believed that everybody, everybody would get saved, that everybody would be accepted by God because God loves everybody, so therefore love wins at the end of the day, and it caused such a big stink in America of course, all the evangelicals didn't accept that at all because it was a bloodless way. It was a crossless way. He was on talk shows and they asked him, did he believe in hell? And he actually couldn't actually say the word. <laughs> he didn't want to admit there was a hell. Sadly, there's a lot of that today. Now, Noah lived through a time like this when the Canaanites were in ascendancy. Not the Canaanites, but the Canaanites. When the way of Cain was the way that was prevailing. Way back over in the little book of Jude, just before Revelation, Jude's writing about this. And he's talking about what things would be like in end times. Verse 8, he says, Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh and reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring an, against him a railing accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these speak evil whatever they do not know, and whatever they know naturally, like brute beasts. In these things they corrupt themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone the way in the way of Cain, they have run greedily after the heir of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. So Jude, looking at what would be the conditions and times, says there's three things that people will follow the way of Cain. They will run greedily after the heir of Balaam for profit and perished in the rebellion of Korah. What does all that mean? Well, again, the way of Cain. Oz Hawkins said, Cain perverted the mode of worship. The mode of worship is to bring God a sacrifice. And our sacrifice has been made for us through the Lord Jesus Christ with his blood on the cross. That's the only thing he will accept. 
and Jesus did that on our behalf. That's the mode of our worship. We can only come to God through Christ. He's the only way. Isn't that what the Bible says? That's what Jesus said. The cross is the only way. That's the mode of worship for every believer. But that's not the way of Cain. The way of Cain is, I will come how I feel, what I want to do. Balaam perverted, he said, the motive of worship. Remember Balaam, that prophet, and how the king of Moab, seeing the children of Israel, wanted the prophet to curse them? And he says, no, I'm a prophet. I, I can't curse the people of God. He says, well, I, I, I'll, I'll give you great gifts. And he says, well, I'll think about that and pray about that. And he came back to prophesy. But when he opened his mouth, out came blessing, not cursing. And the king of Moab says, try again. And he says, no, I can't. He says, yeah, you can't. Go ahead. I'll give you more gifts. I'll give you better gifts. I'll give you bigger presents. And he tried again. And he opened his mouth, and out came blessing. Because you can't curse that which God has blessed. But then... He said, I don't need to prophesy. Here's what you should do. You should get all the beautiful, sensual women of Moab and have a big party, and then the men of Israel invite them to come, and of course you know what's going to happen. And when that happens, then that will weaken them, and then you'll be able to fight with them. And when that did happen, 24,000, God smote 24,000 of them. The way of the heir of Balaam is to prostitute your gift for money. That's what that means. Only to be in it for the money. And dear helpers, there's a lot is only in it for the money. For some, it's just a career. That's all it is. For others, it's a way of making money. And so that's the way of Balaam. What's the way of Korah? As Hawkins says that Korah perverted the manner of worship. You see, Korah was one who rose up against Moses. He rose up against the leadership of Moses with 200 others, wanted Moses' position, wanted the place of Moses, and God separated them and their families, and the earth opened up and swallowed them up, and great fear came into the camp of Israel. Leaders are not perfect. Leaders make mistakes, and leaders need help to account. There's no issue with that. But when people set out to destroy leadership in order to gain a position, and it happens in church after church after church after church, many churches have been ripped apart because of one or two people who wanted to usurp authority, who had no fear of God, and God doesn't like that. And that's what we have today in many places. And so these are signs that the Lord said would happen before he returns. It was a time when polygamy was championed. It said that they were marrying and giving in marriage, and they chose all of whom they desired. <laughs> marriage became a light thing. It became a thing just by attraction. Now, Quite naturally, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And quite naturally, when you choose a partner, in your eyes, they're beautiful. But the trouble today is, as was then, it was external beauty they were after. It was shape, it was form. 
It was external beauty. And sadly, even believers today, that's what they go for. And what they should be thinking is, yes, this person's lovely, yes, this person's beautiful to look at, but that's not the main issue. The main issue, will this person be godly? Are they godly? Will this person draw me closer to the Lord or take me further away from the Lord? Will this person lift me up in Christ or will this person put me down in Christ? And in those days, they were marrying whoever they will. And marriage was treated lightly and irreverently. And today, marriage is being ripped apart from the government down. It's scary what's happening to marriages today. Government is legislating same-sex marriage. And it's not just that, it's what follows on the heels of it, as we're finding out. And that's the world we're living in, where governments is demanding it. And well dare you disagree with it. And there's going to come a time and there's going to come a place when preachers, it's happening, will be hauled before courts because we disagree. And we believe God's word. You take anyone today who goes on television, even if they're an unbeliever, and stands up for traditional marriage, they're laughed out of court, they're mocked and scorned. Did you see a politician recently who went on speaking against abortion? And such a, a furore happened to that, the internet nearly collapsed under it. There were so many people against the man. But he held true to what he believed. Didn't matter who disagreed, he said, this is what I believe. But this is what it was like in those days, and this is what it's like in our day. It was a time when wickedness was great in the earth, and every intent of the thoughts of their heart was only evil continually. Is that not an apt description of today? <sighs> Can the heart of man get any blacker than it is? Well, unfortunately, yes, it will. But we see things today that 20, 30, 40 years ago you never would have imagined you'd ever seen. But it's there in front of us. It's on our television screens. It's in our movies. It's on our main streets. And we see the wickedness of men. Oh, if there wasn't children in tonight, I could say so much about that, but I don't. I mightn't sleep tonight if I did. Just a couple of years ago, the British government, with other governments around the world, they set up a sting operation to try to catch pedophiles. And they caught 70,000 in one ring. 70,000 from all walks of life, including the church. 70,000. It's only the tip of the iceberg. These are the days that we're living in that mirror the days that Noah lived in. Or British television, you could hardly watch it. Is there, is there a comedian on television that honestly you could listen to? Is there one? Is there one that doesn't curse and swear and blaspheme? I don't know if there is. I don't think there is. And the world loves that. They fill, they fill great halls. They can fill a 10,000-seater hall with standing up and blaspheming and cursing and swearing and innuendo and filth. That's the world that we live in. It was a time of great technological advancement. 
Now, Noah had to build a great ark. And this wasn't shipbuilding in the conventional sense. This was a great, big, humongous barge. And it gave the dimensions. In fact, it wasn't until the 20th century that ships were built as big as Noah's Ark. So it was massive, several stories high, huge, and had to be built to withstand the greatest natural disaster in the history of humankind. And it did. So these were clever people. They had great minds, engineering skills, creative, great ingenuity. You know, you go back 5,000 years almost to the pyramids. Fantastic ability and cleverness to build without modern-day instruments. You go back 2,000 years or so to the Romans. I mean, the aqueducts, the viaducts, the roads, the makers of concrete, everything, thousands of years ago. So let's not look back and say these were backward people. These were clever, clever people. And they were like this in Noah's day. And here we are in the 21st century. And boy, are we clever. Huh? Hasn't knowledge increased? You know, in 1903, whenever the Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur Wright, whenever they flew that canvas and wood plane, heavier in the airplane, the first ones to fly something like that and steer it over Kitty Hawk, an area in America. That was the first flight that you could call an actual flight. Just 66 years later, just 66 years later, men were standing on the moon. In just a couple of generations, men were standing on the moon. That's how much knowledge has increased in our generation. Whenever they went to build the Tower of Babel, God said, let us go down and confound their languages, their tongues. Because if we don't, nothing they have imagined to do will be withheld from them. Man left to his own devices will do wicked things, but he can do great things and wicked things. Unless God intervenes. And if God leaves man to his own devices now, what's going to happen? They've got a despot in North Korea who's threatened to flatten Japan and wipe out America. And it looks as if it won't be long till he has the power to do it. They say, well, nobody could be that mad because they know they're going to be retaliated against. Well, despots in history were not known for their sense, their common sense. And so the world's a scary place right now when you have people like this who gets the hold of such power many, many, many times greater than Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It was a time of unparalleled violence. 
couple of times it says, and the earth was filled with violence. Not just here and there, but filled with violence. It must have been a frightening time. There's places today and cities today and areas of cities that you could not and should not even attempt to go in if you're a stranger. But in those days, it was everywhere. It was everywhere. It was filled with violence. And we're fast getting to that place on earth today. There's so much violence, isn't there? On television, movies, and games, everything is shooting and killing and bombing and decapitation. It's just, it's just violent, 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 continually. Our children are being desensitized to all of this. At least when I was growing up, <laughs> and whenever the cowboys shot each other, they were only wounded and they got up and got on their horse and rode off. <laughs> but not anymore. It was a time of great delusion. Of great delusion. In Matthew 24, where we started off, just a little bit before we read in Matthew 24, reading verse 23. If anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the elect, that's us, see, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, false Christ will arise and deceive many. Right now, there are many false Christs. There's a guy recently spent two years going around the world. He wrote a book about it called The Last Testament. And he interviewed false Christ, people who said, I am Jesus. And again, he only interviewed about seven. And I could have told him one in the Philippines that he doesn't know about. He's known too. Every time I go over, I watch him. He says, I'm not Jesus, but he says, I'm the son of God. He says, Jesus was the son of God, and he went back to heaven, but God needed another son on earth, so I'm him. And he's got a megachurch. Megachurch. Thousands. And so there'll be an increase of those who say they are the Christ, and many will follow. Did you see in India, did you see that guru in India recently? Hmm? and how thousands come out on the street and there was bloodshed and guns firing because he was arrested because that was their God time of great delusion my spirit shall not strive with man forever for he is indeed flesh he's controlled by his flesh and carnal ways that means yet his day shall be 120 years God was willing to give that generation 120 years to repent 
120 years. They were warned by Noah's preaching of righteousness. But they were deluded, and they didn't repent. Noah was a preacher of righteousness, the Bible says. And so for 120 years, that's what he did while he was building his boat. And no doubt people wonder, why are you building such a huge boat? And he would say, the judgment of God is coming. But they wouldn't believe him. I dare say some of them even worked on that boat because it was a massive thing. But it was a job to them. But while they'd be working on the boat, he would tell them, this is to save your life. God's judgment is coming on the earth. But they were deluded and they were deceived and they did not repent. And so we know what happened, don't we? Second Peter 3, 1 to 13, I haven't time to read it, but if you read that, you'll see it mirrors the times that we're living in today. It was a time of great delusion. It was a time of faithful witness. Noah was just, he was blameless, a man of integrity. And it says that Noah walked with God. Only Adam before the fall walked with God. And only Enoch after him walked with God. And when it says they walked with God, it means they had this relationship with God that was special, that was different, that was holy and righteous. And every generation has a faithful witness. You may be the faithful witness to your family. You may be the faithful witness in that workplace. You may be the faithful witness in your classroom. God has faithful witnesses. And Noah was a faithful witness. Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world, and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. 2 Peter 2.5, God did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood in the world of the ungodly. And so for 120 years by his life, by his lip, by his work, by his deeds, by his lifestyle, he was a faithful witness to God. And his life was saying, God is going to judge this world. And he's told me to build this boat because that's the only thing you can be saved on. But they didn't believe him. You and I today, the church, we are God's Noah company. We're God's Noah company. We're the faithful witnesses. At least we should be. That's why we're here. If we don't warn our generation, who is going to warn them? If we don't tell them there's imminent danger afoot, who will tell them? Sadly, today, it's not the preachers. Watch Christian television, you're not going to hear much of this. A little bit of it, but not much. Who's warning of things to come? Who's warning of the danger? It's the scientists, it's environmentalists. 
They're the ones that's warning. They're saying this word cannot go on the way it's going on. Now, we may not believe what they tell us to do, but they know there's something wrong with the world and it needs put right. And there is something wrong with it and it does need put right. Paul says the whole earth is groaning and creaking. <laughs> it's waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. Isn't it interesting the terms he uses, groaning? That the earth with its tectonic plates is continually moving against each other. And then suddenly when it really crashes against, then you get earthquakes and tsunamis and all the rest of it. Hmm. Enoch had a son called Methuselah. Methuselah means when he goes, it will come. What was the it? It was the it that Enoch, like Noah, was prophesying. The judgment of God. When he goes, it will come. Within a month of Methuselah dying, it came. The flood came just as God had said. Even though it was nearly a thousand years he lived, but a thousand years to God is just as one day, the Bible says. And it came, and the flood came. Jude says in that little book of his, Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men also, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, and to convict all who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. And so when he named his son, Enoch named his son Methuselah, that was a prophetic sign. That was a warning it was a signal. When he dies, it will come. Did they believe him? No. Did they believe Noah when he built the ark? No. And so when the preacher of righteousness, when the flood finally came, in spite of all the time it took to build it, in spite probably, probably in spite of the fact that some helped him to build it, but they didn't believe his message. And whenever the flood came and they got into the ark, remember I told you last week or whatever, God shut the door. Because those that lived near that ark, when the flood came and the ark began to, the water began to rise, they knew then the ark was the only thing that could save them. But the time is over. The opportunity was gone forever. They had 120 years to repent. That's the patience of God. That's the mercy of God. But if you shun the mercy and patience of God, then there's nothing left, only judgment. He's no more arrows in his quiver. That's it. And that's what happened here. But it's interesting. Because it tells us in Genesis 6, 14, that when they built the ark, that they were to cover it with pitch. Remember another ark, a little ark that Moses' mother made for her little baby? An ark of bulrushes. And it was to be covered within and without with pitch. Same word is used. How she floated down the Nile. 
Now here's the thing. Leviticus 17.11, it says that atonement for the soul is through the blood. And the word for atonement is the same word for pitch. It's the same. Pitch, same word as atonement. And so the ark, with the pitch and the ark, we recognize that's the place of atonement, the place of safety, the place where they can be saved. So the ark is a type of Christ that was to come. And he's our ark, isn't he? He's the only place man can be saved. He's the only one they can run to. He's the door of life, isn't he? He's the way in to the very place where God is. But they did not accept it. And whenever they got into the ark, God closed the door. Only eight people were saved. Hmm. Only eight. Not many converts. For all of his work, for all of his preaching, for all of his efforts, for all of his warning, only eight got saved. But the good news was it was his family. Thank God if we can get our family saved, if we can get them all into the ark before the judgment comes. Amen? And it's hard sometimes. They may refuse to believe what you say. They may not accept it from you. They may say, I don't believe that. Or they may say, I don't believe that anymore. But keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. And let's believe that they will turn. And they will come in one by one by one before God closes the door and the opportunity is gone forever. And so here we are, living in the Noah generation as witnesses, as preachers of righteousness, by our life, by our lip, warning again and again, and trusting and believing that somebody's going to listen, that somebody's going to hear, that somebody's going to say yes, that somebody's going to come to Christ. Because that's the best we can do, isn't it? To share, to witness, to testify, to preach in the hope that somebody will hear and somebody will respond before God shuts the door forever. Amen? So, let's live as Noah lived and let's be a light in a dark place. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, these things in the Old Testament are for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world has come. And truly, Lord, we're living in the last days. We don't know how long these last days will last, but we know we're living in them. And Lord, you said your gospel was to go to the ends of the earth, and then, then the end will come. And we haven't fully done that yet. But we thank you for those that are going out to the ends of the earth. We thank you for evangelism, for evangelists that you've called, that you've raised up to go to the nations. And to go to the places, Lord, where your gospel is not heard and your light is dim. Because, Lord, whenever every nation is reached, 
then the end will come. And so we pray for that. So Lord, help us in our families, in our job, in our work, in our neighborhood, in our place. Help us, Lord, to be that Noah. And by our life, and by our deeds, and by our words, be a testimony. That men and women and boys and girls may find the Savior. That our families especially, our sons, our daughters, our loved ones, that they may know Christ as their Savior. This we pray and believe and trust in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information www.mpc.org.uk